I want you to think about the last time you were humbled. And by humbled, I mean to say that you found yourself red-faced with embarrassment, or you were put in your place, so to speak, or you thought you were right. You were even sure you were right, and then you found out you were wrong. And not only did you find out you were wrong, but everyone else found out as well. And you felt kind of stupid, not only for being wrong, but for being so publicly wrong. Think about the last time you were humbled. Maybe it was when your arrogance came back to bite you, or your overinflated certainty backed you into a corner, or you just thought you were the best and you found out you weren't, or you thought you were in control and you found out you weren't. Think about the last time you were humbled, really taken off your high horse, off your high perch. And then as you picture that experience, as you remember that moment, answer this question if you would. Did you choose it? Did you choose to be humbled? Did you choose to be taken down a peg? Did you choose embarrassment? Did you choose to be shown to be wrong? Did you choose to submit to someone else's power, someone else's agenda? Did you choose it? Did you choose being humbled? I'm going to guess that you didn't. Now, when I ask the last time you were humbled, did you choose to be humbled, I don't mean to ask you that question in the liturgical or the symbolic sense. That is to say, for example, did you choose humility the last time you got down on your knees to wash somebody else's feet at Love Feast? Because if you plan to come to Love Feast this Thursday, you're planning to come, right? I'm willing to concede that you will, in fact, in some way be choosing humility. To wash feet or to have our feet washed is choosing a path of humility, choosing to be humbled. That's a large part of the reason that we choose to do the feet-washing ritual, and certainly part of what Jesus was intending when he called his disciples to do it. But that kind of humility is symbolic. It does not actually drive you further down. In fact, when you are washing the feet of another during the love feast service, that person will look at you with love in their eyes, and they will help you up after, you've washed, after they've washed your feet, and they will embrace you. And on the other side of it, if you're having your feet washed and that feels humbling to you, the person washing your feet is not going to do anything to make you feel worse. They will be gentle. They will not comment on the ugliness of your feet. They will not do anything to make you feel less than. So we can talk about washing feet as an, as an exercise or practice of humility, but emotionally speaking, it is not humbling in the way that most humbling experiences take us down lower. So when I ask you to think about the last time you were humbled and then answer this question, did you choose it? I'm talking about that other category of humility, not the practicing of rituals of humility or the symbolic experience of humility, but rather I'm asking you about the life just knocked you down on your rear end kind of humbling. Did you choose it? Most likely the answer is no. 
We don't choose to be humbled in that sense. We don't choose to be proven wrong or to be corrected for our mistakes or misjudgment. We don't choose that. Or we could put it this way. We are not choosing to be taken down a peg. We don't choose to be weak and vulnerable, and especially we don't choose to be humiliated. We don't choose to be humbled. Which brings us to the somewhat odd and somewhat confusing scriptures for today. First off, the Philippian scripture. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. The Philippian scripture says that Jesus emptied himself, took the form of a slave, took on human identity in its most vulnerable sense, and then in humility allowed, accepted the fate of dying on a cross. Jesus wasn't just embarrassed or humiliated against his will, against his intentions, but the scripture says he embraced a posture of humility, living with a spirit of humble acceptance, and ultimately it led to his death. Death by injustice, death by torture, death through dehumanizing humiliation. So I guess we could say that God's son becomes human, and as if that isn't humbling enough, he becomes human, a human who does not resist torture and death. It even appears that he chooses at various points along the way the fork in the road that will lead most directly to this ultimate form of humiliation and suffering. But, and this has to do with what we know about human nature, don't most humans resist such things? Yes, Jesus is human in his suffering. He is human in his powerlessness. But is he human? Is he human like us in his willingness to walk the path of humility? Don't most humans, don't most, most of us resist the suffering? But also resist even the appearance of weakness and the unfairness of such injustice? So that's the odd scripture. Jesus choosing to be humbled. And then there's the other scripture for today, not so much odd as it is disturbing, because in the other scripture for this morning, there's a narrative of what happens to Jesus at the time of his crucifixion, and it is quite frankly horrific and humiliating. After the Roman soldiers who were charged with carrying out the crucifixion have placed a crown of thorns on his head and then mocked him, they spit on him, they strike him in the head, and then, as our scripture started for this morning, they hang him on the cross. He is naked as he hangs there, and they make a game of gambling for his clothing. They put a sign over his head. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. It's another way of continuing the mocking. And others who come by mock him as well. Save yourself. And the chief priests and scribes and religious elders mock him. Come down off the cross and we will believe you. 
And in Matthew's version of the story, even the bandits who are crucified beside him, one on either side, taunt him and mock him. Jesus may have humbled himself by allowing all of this to happen, by not resisting, by not countering or challenging any of it, but at the same time, everyone around him, it seems, piles on. They all take their opportunity to turn his humility into humiliation. Why is that? It's kind of disturbing to think this, but could it be that maybe another essential human quality, along with not wanting to be brought down a rung ourselves, is not passing up the opportunity to take someone else down a rung or two? Could it be that humiliating others is somehow baked into the human impulse? That in order to elevate ourselves, we seem to often want to knock someone else down? Could it be that such an impulse is at the root of every ism with which we seem to struggle, especially the ones that elevate some and denigrate others? Racism, sexism, and tribalism, to name a few? Maybe most of us don't choose humility because deep down we suspect that someone else is already choosing it for us and not in a good way. And rather than opening ourselves up to the path of humility, we seek to protect ourselves from humiliation. So Jesus is human, but he's a more courageous and visionary human type than most of us. He chooses to humble himself rather than to protect himself. He chooses to go to the cross rather than incite violence. He chooses a path of acceptance rather than resistance. And why? I don't think he does it to somehow prove that he is a better human than we are, that he's a more pure version of selflessness or non-resistance, I think Jesus humbles himself even to death on a cross because he understands and he believes and he is willing to go all the way to break the cycle of vengeance. A cycle of some being dragged down the ladder as others step on their hands and heads in order to climb up the ladder. Look, if the human condition is going to change from violent competition and tribalism and scapegoats and pushing you down so I can climb up, then someone is going to have to prove that it is possible to allow yourself to be pushed down and down and down, and that at the bottom of that, there is not a swamp of sticky and suffocating humiliation and powerlessness, but at the bottom, at the very bottom, there is a surface from which humankind can push up again, not up a ladder of competition, but a solid surface from which we can push up again toward life. And the solid surface, the deep foundation under all the muck of disappointment is love 
and forgiveness. It is grace. And what Jesus shows us in humbling himself even to the cross is that you don't have to step on others. You don't have to destroy others in order to, in the end, be lifted up. You don't need a ladder, a way to climb over others, because you're given a springboard. And the real springboard there at the bottom has nothing to do with competition or comparison or winning or humiliating others. It has to do with being a real and true human, a person who loves rather than hates. You spring off of that. A person who floats rather than climbs. A person who does not need others suffering as a measure of their own success. A person who understands that death will only be defeated by life, not by more death. And who trusts more in the power of the God of the universe than in the power of their own puny hands and their own self-defending and self-defeating impulses. Jesus humbles himself because he understands that he won't fight his way to new life. He's going to have to trust his way to new life. Trust in the uplifting power of peace over violence, acceptance over control, and love over hate. And for us... His example is powerful. Humility, humbling ourselves, is the best way, maybe the only way, to break through. What do you think about that? A couple of years ago, I had an experience with one of my high school soccer players that was at one time the most humbling and most powerful experience of all my years of coaching. He was a senior. He wanted to be a captain, but the head coach didn't think it was a good idea. The player was deeply disappointed. The day the captains were announced, he reacted by behaving poorly in practice. He got rough with some of the other players, stirred the pot, so to speak. Things were deteriorating. I called him out on it, and then he let loose. Right there in the middle of practice, right there in front of everyone, he screamed at me. On and on and on it went. He was most definitely out of control. It, was an un- it is an understatement to say that it was embarrassing. For him, for me, it even felt humiliating being screamed at by an 18-year-old, listening to things that you know are not true, and that happening with everyone else standing around waiting for you to do something. And then as I waited it out, and when the screaming was finally done, we turned to talking, and the situation shifted from humiliating to humbling, humbling when I said to him, once I could finally get a word in edgewise, if you really think all the things you've just said, then I failed you. Because that's not what I was trying to do. It's not what I intended. So I'm sorry. 
I think that was the breakthrough, the humble response. There were tears then and release, and then with the promise to do better with each other, a promise from him and me both, all the anger melted away. Not that everything was different then, but everything between us was different then. All disappointment, all anger, all mistrust and suspicion, all sense of failure was put to death. And in its place, trust, in its place, hope, in its place, new relationship, new life. I think back to that, and I'm not painting myself as the hero of the story. I honestly didn't know what to do except wait. Wait for something of life to return. I think Jesus knew that his humbling of himself would be transformative. He knew. I think he intended to show us that humbling himself would be transformative. He suffered terribly, yes, tortured to death, in fact. But it was not in vain. It was not for nothing. It was so that ultimate vulnerability could be transformed into redemptive power. It was so that ultimate vulnerability could be transformed into redemptive power. That is the power of the cross. That is the power of humility. That is the power of God. Amen.